Ronananian. I think there's a lot of ways to do it right. I just think some ways are more right than others. The Car Doctor. You know, I hope you got tenacity, young man. And uh, you got some gumption because you're going to pull the dashboard out to do this. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your call. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor at your service. Pick up the phone, give us a call. Let's talk about your car problem, whatever it is. We've got some great things going on this hour. We'll be giving away a Wix diecast car. We've been talking about it a little bit today, but we're going to be giving away a Wix diecast giveaway. It is a 39 Ford Coupe diecast car. Tony wanted it last hour. He thought it might help him get dates tonight, but I said, no, no. It's got to go to one of the listeners. So Tony and Tom are the judges today, so you can call in, and uh, it's up to them. They will be giving that away this hour for sure. And also, I am here, to, like I said, to take your calls at 855-560-9900, podcasting at cardoctorshow.com. Tune in iHeart, iTunes, also there. Click subscribe. Do the thing. You know what to do. And uh, let's talk about your car, and let's uh, let's get down into it. I want to talk to you first about talking more effectively to your mechanic, because I, I think that's a problem for a great many of you. And, you know, it, it's an issue. It's easier for me in the shop because when I stand at the counter and I talk to people, I can tell when their eyes are glazing over. I've kind of gone over the line and, you know, I've, it's too technical. So I'm trying to keep this one simple. I had two vehicles this week, a 2010 Ford F-150 truck and a 2013 Jeep Wrangler. Both of them had rather unique, well, not so much unique, but pretty classic examples of what can go wrong and how to diagnose. You know, you got to understand, when I approach a diagnosis, everybody says, Ron, how do you diagnose so many things? And, you know, how do you, frankly, they say, how do you do it so well? It's, it's not that I'm good at it. I'm consistent. I try to do the same things every time. I tweak it a little bit depending upon what I'm working on and, and, and what the situation is, but you know, I still do the same eight or nine or ten steps. I, I still look at all data. I'll still look at Identifix. I'll still look at Mitchell. I'll still look at IATN. I still look at all my research and my sources. You know, I probably spend 30 to 45 minutes of each diagnostic hour or that first diagnostic hour research. You know, duplicate. Can I duplicate the problem? Strange things. What do I observe? What do I see in the vehicle? Can I create the problem or is it an intermittent? Ugly word. Can I, you know, can I find any information on it? And I try not to dig too deep, just what's out there. I just want to get a sense of maybe where to look if it's a hardcore problem. But something that I don't see a lot of shops doing yet is they're not they're not scanning. They're looking at the car and they're going, hey, the wipers don't work on this 2013 Jeep. You know, Big Bob down the street had a problem with one of those about two years ago, and it was the wiper motor, so they must all need wiper motors, so let's put a wiper motor in it. Or, you know, Fred down and my cousin Fred down in North Carolina had a problem with one of those, and it was the multifunction switch, and all those multifunction switches go bad. Let's put a switch in it. That's not diagnosing. That's throwing parts. And the point becomes, how do you diagnose today? Well, 
And in a lot of cases, yeah, it's 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 with a voltmeter and duplicating the condition and, and, and looking at wiring diagrams and so forth. But I still think now more than ever, all good diagnoses at some point, steps one through five, somewhere in those first five moves, is with a scan tool. And I think that's what you've got to start to listen for. What is your mechanic saying to you? Well, Mrs. Smith, I... You know, I diagnosed your air conditioning problem in your 2010 Ford F-150 because that was the problem with the other vehicle. It had an air, air air conditioning problem. You know, somewhere along the way, you want to hear somebody say, well, I took out a scan tool. There are no fault codes. Or, as in the case of this 2010 Ford, here's a car that wasn't blowing cold air. It was co- co- cool air on the right, warmer air on the left. And there are documented cases where a low system charge, low refrigerant, can cause a vehicle to do that today for reasons uh, regarding evaporator size and how big the evaporator or the piece under the dashboard is. Nobody's eyes are glossing over, are they? And there are cases where it's electrical. You've got to start with a scan tool diagnosis. In the case of the Ford F-150, it produced two fault codes, a B1081 and a 1086. Oh, God, he's shouting numbers again. No, they all mean something. The 1081 was a problem with the blend door actuator or the motor that moves the left side cold control. And the 1086 was a problem with what they call a central air door motor, which is a device that controls air door position, which affects temperature control. Now, in either case, the dashboard has to come out. Oh, boy. So there's some further detailed diagnosis that's required for that that will ensure is it is it wiring, is it is it component failure, is it a stuck door? So there are some steps to go, and we didn't finish it yet, so I can't tell you what fixed that vehicle. My suspicion is, because I'm going to be like everybody else and say my suspicion is it's a blend door actuator, but I'm basing that on the fact that I can change it but it doesn't go full sweep, which is what I read on a scan tool. See, scan tool comes back into that, and that's part of the diagnosis. In the case of the Jeep, it was a wiper motor. But here's the interesting part. The wiper motor produced two fault codes, a 2304 and a 2305. Problems with the park switch. You know when you put the wipers in park, when you go to shut them off, they park? Well, there was a problem with the park switch. First, it reported that the park switch was stuck in the high position. Then it reported that the park switch was stuck in a low position, you know, how do you attack it? I went through a wiring diagram. I sat down and I looked for signals because there's also a, a module involved here, totally integrated power module or TIPM, as we call it. And I had to verify that the TIPM was okay. See, everything's module driven now, too. It's not just componentry. Long and the short of it was, and the point of all this, when you go into a repair shop, you got to hope that. You know, since 2005, 2006 model year, you got to hope that they're saying that if it's if it's not a check engine light issue, that they're saying to you, hey, I pulled out a scan tool and I scanned it for codes. I think a repair shop that doesn't do that in this day and age, I won't say they're doing it wrong, but they're not necessarily doing it right. And the, the, the time is now. I used to say the time is coming five years ago, but the time is now where part of every diagnosis, part of a service, okay? And this is what I really want to stress. You go in for a 30,000-mile or a 60,000-mile or a 90,000-mile service, some major service interval, 
I think the repair shop has to scan that vehicle for fault codes. Listen, other than, you know, what if it was winter? Okay. What if it was winter in the case of the Ford truck and they weren't using the air conditioning and the heat's working okay? Because the heat would have worked in that vehicle. It just didn't have great air conditioning. And you came, you went in for a service and four months later, five months later, there was a, there was a problem with blend door actuators or any some such thing. Or you're taking it out on the road and you're traveling from Minnesota in the winter down to Florida on family vacation and you get to Florida and you find out the air conditioning doesn't work. I think that a good repair shop, it's it's you know it's fifteen twenty minutes of time in most cases to do a system scan and look at all fault codes in the vehicle. Got to remember, not all fault codes turn on dash lights, and that's the point here. That in the case of these this Jeep and this Ford, there were no dash lights on for those problems. They were symptom component related, and those were the failures. You've got to start doing more scanning. It's just very very important as a part of the process in order to diagnose the car. Because had you not, I would have gone off in the wrong direction. Scanning a car for non-check engine lights is now part of the automotive landscape. At least it is in my shop. It should be with your mechanic, too. 855-560-9900. Let's pull over and take a pause, and then we'll kick the garage doors wide open this hour and run full throttle. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor, coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor. Thanks for sticking around this hour. 855-560-9900. Get out to cardoctorshow.com. Podcasts there. Tune in iHeart, iTunes. Click subscribe. You know the drill. Let's get over the phones. Let's go over and talk to George in New Gloucester, 03 Chevy Silverado, and some misfire problems. George, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Well, uh, I had this same issue uh, last fall, and uh, it would come and go, and... uh, uh, I did. I got a 3111 Pro scan tool. Okay. And and it came up with a number of choices on the misfire. And anyway, one day I talked to my wife. She said, "You check the filters." And I said, "No." So I changed the gas filter, and I believe now it's coincidence. Uh, the misfire went away, and uh, it came back last week. So I said, "Well." I'll do the same thing. So I changed the gas filter, but there was no change. Um, the, the problem codes listed uh, were so great, I was trying to look for a way to narrow it down. Let me let me let me ask you let me ask you this, George. If you yes. cl- if you clear the fault codes, you're saying yes. multiple codes come back all at once? No. Just that one code P three hundred. Oh, okay. So you've got. So you're working on a P zero three hundred here. Yes. D- does the engine run well? No. It it it's got a miss to it. Right. It will it will start up and idle great for probably thirty five minute uh, seconds to a minute or so, and then you can hear it start skipping. Okay. It, does your scan tool show data stream? Uh You'll have to tell me. You know the scan tools better than I do. Um, I ha- I didn't get to that. Okay, because basically what you want to do is you want to look to see, hopefully your scan tool will show data stream. The 3111, I, I'm trying to remember. It's been so long. But basically okay. you want to go into data stream and see if it has any misfire data. You know, you want to look okay. to see which cylinders are missing because the fact that okay. you've got the fact that you've got a miss 
is a good thing in a way because at least we know what cylinders right. to pay attention to. Right. So, so you know, until you can tell me what cylinders are misfiring, rather than give you specific instructions, I want to give you some general sure. thoughts, if that's okay. All right? Sure. A- an engine can miss for multiple reasons. All right? And when it says misfire, it doesn't necessarily mean ignition. You know, we're all, right. we're all creatures of habit, okay? Uh, you know, we all know that, you know, this is what went bad on my brother-in-law's car, so I'll change those same three parts, and that'll fix mine. Uh, you know, and that doesn't that doesn't always work. That's like, you know, what I've learned is, um, one of the things I've learned is, as I've gotten older and a little bigger, I don't fit under dashboards as easily as I once did. Uh, you know, and that's just a sign of being an older mechanic. You just kind of learn that lesson. So, that being said, if it's got a physical miss, or a skip, as you say, you know, it could be ignition, oh, right. it could be fuel, it could be mm-hmm. mechanical. I I generally don't think it's mechanical from your description because mechanical misses don't really come and go. I've seen it in rare right. cases with valve springs and some crazy things that that I've seen there, but generally it's 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 not an intermittent fault that comes and goes. So that being said, you know, our focus now has to be on either fuel or ignition. All right? And, you know, if it's if it's cylinder six, for example, and, you know, what I'm probably going to do is pull the plug on six. Yeah, just for giggles, I'm, I might I might stick a compression gauge in the hole and pop compression on the on the truck all the way around. How many miles are on this? Uh, about 137,000. Yeah, it's still young. Um, right. You know, but I'd, I'd still, I'd want to look to see, you know, where's compression on all eight. It, it, it couldn't hurt. Sometimes it's a little hard to get to. Maybe I won't, maybe I won't hurt myself trying to do it that way. Maybe I will. Um, but you know, what does the plug look like? Is the plug tan? Is the plug white? Is the plug black? You know, showing me, I'm looking at cylinder temperature. I'm looking at an indication of that. And that'll tell me a lot about that hole. Uh, you know, is this a, uh, this is, should be coils mounted on the valve cover short wires going down to the plug i believe so yeah yeah you know do i want to move the coil from six over to one or you know and move the plug from six to five and start moving things around and see which way does the misfire go if the misfire stays with the cylinder back to six then maybe i've got an injector issue okay maybe maybe i've got something mechanical but it's just, you know, you want to try to isolate and narrow down working with what you have. You don't have a lot of tools. Right. So, right. you know, we want to, you know, try and nip it in the bud that way. Now, just to show you an example of how misfires, P0300 is a headache for all mechanics. I've I've seen grown mechanics get really upset over a P0300 because it's a process. It's a step-by-step. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have seen serpentine belt tensioners. You know the, the serp belt on the front of the engine? Yeah. I've seen a weak serpentine belt create a P0300. Because, really? Because, well, and I don't think it's in your case because the engine's physically right. running rough. But, you know, on an intermittent P0300, sure, you go out there, you put your foot through the headlight, you stand on it hard, the engine goes up in RPM, and that belt all of a sudden starts to, that tensioner isn't as strong as it once was, and it, it winds up and releases it takes the tension off that serp belt. What do you think the crank's mm-hmm. going to do at 5,000 RPM if all of a sudden it's not dragging the weight of the AC compressor, the power, the water pump, and the power steering at the same time, right? All of a sudden that crank is right. going to flare or have a variation in RPM, which is what right. 
a misfire is de- is determined by on the computer. It sees that variation in crank speed and says, uh-oh, okay. something's going on here with George's engine. Let me turn on the check engine light. I don't think – I'm just trying to show you the variables sure. that, that I don't think that's your case. I think you get some scan tool data up. You start to look at a misfire. You're going to see a hard failure. You'll know which cylinder to go after. Okay. All right, sir. Um, now, uh, I, I have a question on a scan tool. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I work on family cars, a diagnose and so forth. Okay. Goes from an 03, 03 Toyota and Silverado to a 16 Escape. Okay. And what I was looking for, uh, I've heard you advertise, I think, the launch tool for around 1500 Right. Okay. Uh, it wouldn't bother me to spend the money to get a good scan tool if you think it would be beneficial. You know, it's not that... I don't think you should. What I would do if I were if I were looking for a scan tool and I wasn't in the business anymore, I would be looking around to see what's it. First of all, I take a look on eBay. All right, yep. because from my seat here, all the scan tools I own today, I'm probably going to throw out in the next three years, and that's mm-hmm. that's just sad. Uh, you know, and I'm going to have to do that because of technology. But because of that, right. shops like me, they're going to be getting rid of scan tools. Guys like you on eBay can buy. Okay. So if there are shops out there, you know, getting rid of older scan tools that were once, you know, the three and the four and the five thousand dollar tools, mm-hmm. and maybe they're selling them for a thousand fifteen hundred bucks. It's older technology, but what do you care? Mm-hmm. You know, if it works on your okay. car, you don't need it to go forward into a nineteen twenty or twenty one model year vehicle. So mm-hmm. there's there's nothing wrong with that. As far as the launch, I like the Launch X431 Pro. I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. And actually, we never advertise it. You just hear me talk about it. Um, <laughs> when, I, when, I ta- when I tell you guys about the launch, I'm just telling it to you because I actually use it. Um, I think it's a great tool. Um, I would look at launch. Uh, if I can find an older Snap-on, I would do that. And, um, you know, I might even try to find myself an OTC Genesis. But I think they're getting older now and harder to find parts for, so I'd probably stay away from it. Yeah, I think you're right, George. I think launch is probably where I would be in your price point, and um, that's probably not a bad idea. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor, George. I appreciate the call. I'll be back right after this. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's my turn to start speaking. 855-560-9900. Tom Ray just told me about the calls coming up. This is going to be a great segment. Let's get into it. I'm running Annie in the car, doctor, and uh, see what's going on here. Tim in Flint, Michigan. Yes, sir. Tim, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How are you? Thank you. Big fan. Gee, you've, you've kind of got some headaches here. Oh, oh, what do you got? An 07 Impala, an 05 Sierra? And an 08 yeah. Silverado, and you've got a big question. Is it, why'd you buy American? Well, no, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I'm, almost, I'm almost at that point, but that's a different time. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, first of all, can I put my name in for the Wix car? I'm very interested in that. Um, Tom's giving me, like? he's he's wavering, so it depends on how this conversation goes. So let's let's see okay. how that works out. So, okay, what I have, uh, an 07 Impala. Uh, about 103 on it. Uh, 05 uh, Sierra, which steps on truck, 130. And 08 uh, Silverado, about 130. And uh, they're all, I, I maintain them. I'm, I'm pretty particular on things and keep them up. Wife calls me, so on the way to work, my chicken engine light comes on. 
okay, I'll check it out. And I checked it out, and the first thing you think of is gas cap. I put a new gas cap on it, and the check engine light went off. So we're good, I'm, I'm thinking. A week later, she calls me again, check engine lights back on. Okay, I was quite plugged in this weekend. Okay. Stephson calls me at half hour later, but check engine lights on. You got to be kidding me. You're and look at my, and guess what? On the way home from work, my check engine light comes on in my truck. Now, all I can go back to is we go to the same gas station. There's three on the corner where I live, but I choose the one that's not not the lowest price, but the cleanest. Right. I like it because I feel they keep the gas station clean and all the surroundings clean. Maybe they're more, you know, respectable company as far as getting good gas and whatnot. So you're like me. Let me make a prediction. You probably go not only to the same gas station. I bet you pull up to the same pump. Yeah, yes, I do. My, look, I found my brother from another mother. Look at this. A missing relative. Yeah, you think like I do. Go ahead, Tim. Well, uh, I I guess I'm, I'm reading and looking into things. I'm going to start with Impala. I, I got my hands on that. And um, uh, uh, clean the mass airflow sensor is, I guess, would be the next step. I mean, I'm gonna, I want to go have it plugged in. Well, too. yeah, let's, you know, what what codes do we have on these cars? Do okay, we know? that. that, that that's, I don't know yet. Okay. So let me ask you this question. Uh, Any time in the past five years, did you ever have a check engine light come on on a car? Uh, yes. Okay. In fact, I had a Geo, a Geo Prism, and I had it plugged in, and he said it was a misfire, and he re-raced it and went on my way and never had a problem again with it. Right. Uh, so I guess that was, I'm assuming, gas or uh, water a little bit in the fuel. Well, but, and my point is, you know, if we're going to start to repair cars based on the maybes and the what-ifs, you know what I'm going to tell you, dude. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta scan. You know, you're right. you're you're at the end of the diagnosis. You haven't even started yet. Right. All right? Um, you got to feel the pain a little bit. And but I, 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 the, the big thing is, I'm realizing older cars with miles and whatnot. But the same day, three in my driveway, the lights come on. Well, I can tell you what that means. Okay. It's 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 not your weekend to play the Michigan lottery. All right, because <laughs> right. you would just be you'd just be wasting your money. However. Okay, it is your weekend because Tom just gave me the thumbs up. We are going to give you the Wix diecast car because we feel. Oh, so, thank not, you. know, we, we you know why that's, you know why that's great because today's my birthday. Well, that's what I there want. you go. Happy birthday! You know what? <laughs> and maybe that'll change your look. But I will give you this too. You've got my email, Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. Yes. If you're stuck during the week when you finally scan these cars and you figure out what these fault codes are, you send me you send me those code reports and I'll give you a direction. If not. Your 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 duty is to call us back next week and tell us what the codes were, and then we'll give you a direction on how to fix them. How's that? Okay. All right. I can use this email right off Facebook, right? Right. You can use the email right off Facebook, or yeah, I think okay. it's I think up there is Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com, and yes. um, it, you know, don't be surprised. I will answer that. I will try to answer it. You might get an email reply at three in the morning because I've been known to sit up at night and answer emails from the listeners around the world. But uh, you know, that's just just trying to help people, man. That's all what it's about. So. But right. uh, we'll do that. Stay on the line. Tom wants to get your information, and um, you know we'll get that Wix diecast thirty nine Ford coming out to you and uh, enjoy it. And uh, happy birthday! Let's go over and talk to David, Missouri, two thousand Monte Carlo. David, how, yes, how, hi, how, how are you? Good sir. <laughs> how can I help hey, I've you, been sir? A now, how much time we got? Uh, we got as much time as you need, or until the end of the hour. What's going on? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I've got a wife that likes to go out and buy a car every time uh, the, the key ignition goes bad, right. or uh, she has a flat tire. Right. I got a whole backyard full of cars now, but I do have the last one that went uh, up 
was uh, a 2007, uh, or no, it was a 2000 Monte Carlo, trying to keep track of them. Right. But uh, anyway, we were driving down the highway about 65 miles an hour, and we I passed a car, and we had just gotten this car fixed about two weeks earlier with a uh, intake uh, gasket that uh, blew out. I right. suppose yeah. that's common. Yeah, that was common. Okay, anyway, he cleaned it out, and he said, uh, don't smoke a little bit because there's water in it. And I thought, oh, boy, I've, I've really got a winner here. And uh, so anyway, we drove it for about two weeks, and then like, when I was passing this car, it made a funny sound. It sounded like kind of a pop, and uh, I was right next to the car while I was passing, so I managed to get in front of it and get off the highway. And she said she heard a little uh, kind of rattle, tinkle thing when uh, I accelerated to get around the car. Okay. And then it kind of popped. And then, uh, anyway, pulled it over, and it cost $900 to get it back home, trophy. And I thought, well, I'm not going to let this thing ruin my day. So I'm going to call you and say, I've got to get it fixed so I can at least get two or $300 out of the car if I sell it. So let me ask you this. The car died on the road. It's towed back home. Has anybody looked at it yet? Yeah, I had a mechanic one day says he can't get it started. Well, he, I said, look, you might try putting gas in it, you know, because he cranked it over. Well, it did crank. It tried to start, and then it quit start. It, it wouldn't run. So he put him in the shop. Uh, I guess he looked at it a little bit. He charged $300 to look at it and uh, probably uh, just push it in and push it out. And he said he, he tried to start it, put gas in it and all this stuff. And uh, he said it runs for a few minutes, but uh, he didn't know what was wrong with it, and he couldn't figure it out. Well, and uh, so he parked it behind the shop, and there it sits. There, so. There's there's so much wrong with this question. I almost uh, we may need the rest of this hour. So you know, <laughs> dude, you paid three hundred dollars. Now I'm not picking on Missouri, but you know, listen, I work in North Jersey. North Jersey is like Beverly Hills. We have the most expensive labor rates in the country. I think. Yeah. For for three hundred dollars, what's it? You know, it's for three hundred dollars. We probably would have had the card not only diagnosed, but probably halfway to being fixed. I can't. Well, I shouldn't say that, but holy cow! You know, we don't well, try. We don't. Me, yeah, Ronnie charged me seven hundred dollars for the intake. Okay, and then when I looked back and he just uh, looked at it and said he couldn't get started, it was another three hundred. So I got thousand dollars in that car. And I should have a motor in it by that time. All right, let me ask you something, David. You ever work on a lawnmower? You ever? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you know, when the lawnmower didn't start, how did you diagnose it? Well, I, you know, what I thought, I said, I need to take this to one the car doctor and have him put a, you know, check the computer out and find out whether it could be maybe the ignition. Uh, you know, there's something wrong with the ignition. It's got gas. Uh, you know, it runs for a few minutes and then it, it Well, uh, and here's quit. my point. But here's my point. Diagnosis is all begin in the beginning. So here's a car that runs for a few minutes and dies. First thing we're going to do is let's screw a fuel pressure gauge on it. Does the car have right. fuel? Does the car have fuel pressure? You know... Here's a classic example from description. It sounds like this guy's trying to figure out what's wrong, and in the and in the process, because he can't right away, he's not going to stop and look to see what's right. So here's a case Absolutely. where I want to know what's right. I want to know I've got good fuel pressure. I want to I want to do a fuel pump sample and volume test to see that there's clean fuel in the tank and it puts it fills a Snapple bottle which is about a pint in 25 to 30 seconds. The Snapple people love me. I've been talking about their bottles for 26 years on radio. So once I do that, once I've got good fuel pressure, good volume and and a clean fuel sample out of the car, done. I move on to something else. Then I want to know, do I have spark? 
For less than $50, I can go down to the local O'Reilly Auto Parts and buy a spark tester, hook it up to a plug wire, and does it have spark? Does it continue to make spark? Yes, no. Good, bad. Next. And then I want to go and take a look at, uh, you know, can I listen through the end of a screwdriver, tap into an injector? I think I can still get to an injector fairly easy on a 2000 Monte Carlo to listen to it. Do I hear the injector going click, 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 click? I just diagnosed two-thirds of the car. And I did that in three minutes on radio. You know exactly, and I, I'm saying that you know you first have to have an IQ, you know, probably over ten or twelve, something like that, you know, in order to just uh, use your common sense. You Dude, know what I'm saying? I, the guy's I, been in business for like twenty five years, or thirty years. David, I I, I so. understand completely why my industry has such a bad reputation, and and I and I understand why the shop is two and a half, three weeks backed up all the time. So here's the deal. All right. Um, those three things are important. I would check them. I'd get a scan tool. Plug in a scan tool. Does the scan tool communicate with the engine controller? That's step one. If it does, that tells me the engine controller is awake. Step two, can I read any data on it? Can I see cranking RPM? Can I see injector pulse width? What am I missing? What I was trying to make the point before was with regard to the in, working on the lawnmower is... You know, when you work on a lawnmower, you look for spark, you look for fuel, you look for mechanical, you know, integrity. It's the same thing with an engine, except now you got to add the electrical side of it and computers. Get those things done, give me a call back, and we'll take it from there. And if you need more help, send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Dude, you got to find another mechanic. That guy's bad. Something wrong there. That doesn't make any sense. Tell him I said put the wrench down and step away from the car, and he should give you your money back. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to David in Chicago, 05 Buick Rendezvous. David, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, I got a 2005 Buick Rendezvous 3.4 with like 145,000 miles on it, and okay. randomly... Um, within the last three months, three or four months, it will just um, die when you come into a stop. Okay. It starts right back up. Um, at random, no warning sign, you never know when it's going to happen type of thing. No, and it happens so smoothly. Like you're stopping, and the only way you know it dies is the, the battery light comes on. Okay. It does, it's, not, it's not running out of fuel or anything. It's something like, like that. So a couple of basics just to cover the bases. You know, when, when I'm faced with this situation, here I am again. I've got I've got to know what's good. I've got to know what's bad. I want to make sure maintenance is up to date. One of the things I always stop to consider on a stall on any vehicle is cleanliness of the throttle plate. All right. I want to make. I actually cleaned that a while okay, ago. Like good. Within the last three or four months. Yeah. Good. 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 So the throttle plate's clean. I also want to yep. make sure, and this is this is going to sound strange. I also want to make sure the battery terminals are clean and tight. I have seen some strange things, particularly, now I'm going to tell you exact GM, particularly out of GM, older GM vehicles, dirty terminals, dirty side terminals, loose side terminals have caused some really funky problems to occur on older GM vehicles. So just, you know, humor the old mechanic, just take a look at them, make sure they're good, clean, and tight. What's, what's, What's sort of common on an intermittent problem like this is two things come to mind. Is, do you think it's when the car is running hot, or is it more likely to happen hot versus cold starting out first thing in the morning? Yes, it's usually when we've been driving for a while, like okay. three hours or so. Okay, perfect. And will it will it restart right away? 
Right away, yep. Right no away. So, yep. you know, if it didn't restart right away, and even if it does restart right away, I would stop to consider an ignition module as a possible fault. Um, kind of tough to prove out on the road. Uh, usually the ignition module fault is one where the module got overheated and it won't restart right away, and there's some testing you'll end up doing in the bay. If we're dealing with an intermittent you know, on the road type of a thing, and it restarts right away. Take a look at, you know where the AC accumulator is, the big silver can? Yeah. Take a look at the wiring harness as it wraps around the accumulator. The harness okay. for the ignition module goes through that um, goes through that loom, and they're, they're okay. known to, they rub up against the accumulator, and every once in a while, and and it's like turning the key off. Take a look okay. at take a look at that wiring harness very carefully. If that doesn't do it for you, give me a call back. We'll talk again. Okay, cool. I All appreciate right, sir. it. You're very welcome. You take good care. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Twenty four seven car doctor phone number. If you're listening on podcast or you're listening on the stream or you're listening for an affiliate that takes it on delay, call eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero just like Stephanie from Sugar Hill, New Hampshire is about to, and we can talk to you about your car problem. Stephanie, welcome to the car doctor. Hey, thanks for having me. Good morning, or yes. afternoon, actually. Yeah, it's one or the other. It's always got to be one or the other. Well, actually, it could be good evening, too, so you got a choice of three. So, But uh, what's going Close. on? How can I help? Uh, I have a 1999 Acura, and the driver's side door is doesn't want to open. It doesn't appear to be mechanically jammed. There is some type of electrical issue. And a local mechanic who's a really great guy um, got in there, didn't take out the car seat and pull the whole panel off, but he kind of tilted the panel out and looked in it. And he wasn't able to figure out what the electrical problem was. Well, Ever hear of anything like this in Acura? Yeah, once in a while, the, the, the actuators, the, the latch mechanisms stick or it's it's this if it's what I think it is it's this really cheesy solenoid built into the latch assembly that is stuck and you know there's one of two ways I've seen it resolved if it's what I'm thinking of if you really think it's electrical that's holding it on something's being applied what would happen if you disconnected the battery that would that would kill it electrically and uh, it might release it mechanically that's number one number two uh, you know maybe and you know mechanical guys. I shouldn't say this, but I think I have to. It's not mechanical guys aren't necessarily geared towards body stuff all the time. And I've seen people have better experience at body shops because what you have to think about is, let's say the car got hit in the front and now the driver's door doesn't open, but there's no physical damage. A body shop is geared towards removing body components without damaging them hopefully, um, and they might have a better understanding and a you know, better recall. They've taken more doors and door panels apart than most mechanics, and they're going to be able to get that door open without damaging it, if that makes sense. So I would actually try and talk to your local body shop and see if somebody's you know, got the ability to open that without taking it apart. It kind of saves you some labor instead of having to you know, take the seat, the door panel, etc. off. It's a little bit of a quicker and easier method of doing it. So, you know, sometimes they can go down from the inside with the jimmy tools, the door jam jimmy tools, as we call them, and, uh, you know, disable the latch or the mechanism that way. All right? Try that. See if that works, either one of those two, and uh, give us a call back next week. Let us know how that works out for you. I'm sorry the clock's going to take me. I'm Ron Anani and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.